Hi there, everyone. This is John Cherry, and this week on the podcast, I chat to Susan about business opportunities in South Africa that are worth having a look at in 2020. We talk about the growth areas worth considering for both entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs working in big companies. Welcome to the podcast, Heroes of Futurism, with me, Jonathan Cherry. This podcast is about the future and how to create it, what opportunities exist, what ideas are worth thinking about, and how you can begin to design the future that you want. Let's start right now. Podcast 13 or 14, welcome Susan. Thanks Jonathan. We've been absent from the podcast. But this is a futurist's podcast, so we're not going to look at the past. We're going to just look to the future. Good point. So let's <laughs> move right on. I thought it would be useful, seeing as the 2020 is coming up, and I think 2020 is going to be an interesting year. Uh, I mean, we say that every year, because every year starts afresh and everyone's very optimistic, and they look at the year ahead and they say, what are the trends? What are we going to do? What's new our strategy? Oh, yeah, it's a new decade. Jeez, I didn't think about that. All right, new decade. So now it's like super important for us to think optimistically about 2020 as a start of things to come. Um, And I thought it would be interesting on the podcast, seeing as though we think about this all the time, to talk about some of the opportunities and areas that you've spotted or you've read about that other people have spotted uh, that presents opportunities for entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs. So people in South Africa, in South Africa. So if we're looking for, uh, opportunities, areas where you could start a business, or if you are someone that's looking to invest in South Africa, what are some of the opportunities that exist? What are the key areas? What are the things that South Africa could really compete in on a global stage? Mm -hmm. Uh, where should we be focusing our efforts? Because recently I was reading about, Taiwan. Um, I've spent a bit of time in Taiwan, and it's one of those countries that has always innovated well ahead of itself. And Taiwan are sitting in a situation uh, where they're asking, where should we be focusing in our efforts for the next 10 years? So I kind of thought, South Africa, we always talk about... Unemployment rate. Right. So what are the areas? What are the focus areas for entrepreneurs or big companies that want to leverage more growth and more opportunity for the next 10 years? What are the areas they should be focusing on? So one of the things that I thought of, I thought of a few things while you were just introducing the topic. So one of them would be that we, first of all, need to look for opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And if you are living in South Africa or if you're someone with investment capital and you're looking for a country to invest in, it's not easy to find opportunity optimism about South Africa other than us winning the Rugby World Cup now. Mm-hmm. Um, and even as people that are living here, it's you. It's easier to find pessimism than it is to find optimism. Sure. You can speak to anyone and everyone will have something to complain about. So we're going to put ourselves in an uncomfortable position and, and force just ourselves. Just look for opportunity. But also what I'm saying is that if you are an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur and you're looking for um, something to something to kind of go to market with or something to explore, the first thing you have to do is actually just program yourself to be optimistic and to look for that opportunity because, yeah, it's sometimes it's a real conscious decision that needs to be made. Yeah. Well, I always think to myself, if you are an entrepreneur and everyone is super pessimistic, that's when uh, 
entrepreneurs step into that space and they see huge amounts of opportunity. As Warren Buffett says, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. So everyone seems to be super fearful at the moment. So now is the time to be thinking optimistically. And I read um, a while back where people were saying, you know, now is not the time to to start companies. You know, um, the economy is tough. Times are tough. And uh, they were kind of also just looking at some of the amazing um, businesses that were born during very time economic uh, very tough economic times. Right. right now in South Africa, there isn't a Bill Gates or a someone that is really going out there and speaking about where the opportunities and where the big um, kind of uh, technology and breakthroughs are happening. So I pulled up uh, Bill Gates's uh, 10 breakthrough technologies. So I'm just going to go through that. So number one is robot dexterity. We'll post the link um, in 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 the link to the podcast yeah. in the description. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Number two is new wave nuclear power. Isn't that, <laughs> what is that appropriate? It's fusion is being billed as the favorite favored future power source because it's reactors can't melt down and it doesn't create high levels of waste like conventional nuclear energy. Okay. I think this is above my pay grade. Yeah. Nuclear fusion. Number three was predicting preemies. So a blood test, so lots of money being pumped into blood tests, and a lot of his is about healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, money being bl- uh, pumped in, uh, into blood tests that can um, give foresight if you are um, likely to have a premature baby. Right. This makes me nervous. It r- reminds me of that uh, that Theranos story. <laughs> Anything with a blood prick and you know, predicting the future, I stay away from. Yes. The fourth one was gut probe in a pill. Stunning. So um, swallowable capsules that are able to give sight to mm. to um, doctors for, and they can even perform biopsies with these with these probes. Wasn't there a movie like that in the eighties with uh, Dennis Quaid or uh, Inner Space? Yes. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. Remember. I remember watching that <laughs> at boarding school. We're gonna watch Inner Space. <laughs> Great. It's about a guy who swallows a pill and goes inside a body and gets lost. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Cool. Sounds cool. Number five, customized cancer vaccines. Mm-hmm. Number six, the cow-free burger. Okay, lots of talk about that. Lots of talk about that. So, the- so that's not just that's not just plant-based and vegan veganism. It is really about harvesting lab-cultured meat. But how do they make it? Yeah, it's not what I initially thought that was was just an investment into like vegan and plant sourcing. But it's not. They actually grow it from animal cells in a lab so it's okay scientifically grown meat substitutes because there's a it's lot not of... just going and taking chickpeas and making a patty right because there's a lot of talk about the impossible burger which sounds cool and apparently tastes just like meat but the major issue with it and i know there's going to be loads of people that disagree with me but the major issue with it is that it's soy and it's packed with gmos so i i completely get why you want to be meat free but yeah so yeah, I, so so I'm this isn't just about it's not Diego that. vegans. It is about okay. actually growing meat because we can no longer provide meat. Right. We can no longer produce mm-hmm. the amount of animals that need to be slaughtered. Right. Number seven is carbon dioxide catcher. So they've uh, mm-hmm. he's pumped money into the Canadian like government tree. for this. Mm. Well, it's not like a tree, but okay. I know these are big machines that capture what, the carbon dioxide before yeah, they, it goes into the environment. They scrape the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere, but actually. I read another article that said trees are the most efficient 
vehicles for doing that. Because, you know, those things use huge amounts of energy to do their work. Sure. And that energy comes from probably a coal-fired power station. And so. you can get the speckworm, which is indigenous to South Africa, that ah. actually uh, takes it produces double the amount of oxygen or something. It's yeah. like extra. Okay. It's an extra tree. There's an opportunity. <laughs> okay. How many speckworm are we exporting out of this country? Well, there we go. Right. Number eight is wrist-worn ECG monitors. Mm-hmm. Number nine, sanitation without sewers. Ah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a great one. Yeah. Especially okay. in South Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, Africa. Mm. And I know the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has put a lot of money and effort into that kind of innovation in Sub-Saharan Africa. In Johannesburg, I think they've actually got, um, they're testing a lot of the toilets in yeah. um, various locations um, in South Africa. Number 10 is smooth talking AI assistance. Okay. Okay. So that is what uh, the Bill Gates Foundation is uh, is really pumping money to. So if you are someone that is looking to get funding, you will probably get it from big American um, kind of conglomerates that are looking to invest into those kinds of you know that there's direct a direct feed into um, mm-hmm. a need. But if you are someone that probably, or maybe, not probably, but maybe hasn't finished matric, uh, you're sitting at home, you're trying to get a job, you can't get a job, what are the opportunities that are sitting in South Africa uh, that you don't have to go and look for a job and you don't have to become a statistic of unemployment? So what are the opportunities? Okay, so I've got my own little list. And I'll admit right up front that I've done the research, I wrote a long blog post. It's taken me two weeks to write this thing. Uh, but there's certain things that I think there's a glaring opportunity. And this is because I've done a bit of research to see, you know, what is happening outside of South Africa. And the thing that really caught my eye a couple of weeks ago was that China hosted the second ever import expo. So the Chinese economy used to be export driven. Mm-hmm. So they've built this massive economy on the idea that the world manufactured their products in China. Now, with Donald Trump and the fact that the world's economy is slowing down. As well as the maturation of the one-child policy and China no longer having the workforce that it previously had. People that are now educated and have had opportunity and access to opportunity, especially economic opportunity, no longer want to work in factories. So China's actually become quite expensive to manufacture in in certain uh, fields. Sorry. So for quite a few reasons, the Chinese economy now needs to transition from an export-focused economy into an import-focused economy because they need to inspire consumerism within their economy. And now this is going to get a lot of people like super worried because Mm -hmm. if the Chinese start becoming a consumer-driven economy like the United States... Uh, you can just imagine what the sort of pollution and all the negative effects that consumerism has. Uh, you just imagine that now amplified by 1.4 billion people. Mm. So it's a little bit of a, a worrying thing. But on the flip side of that, China are wanting to invite the world to participate in their economy, which I think is really interesting because I had a look at just some of the expo uh, participants at this uh, Chinese import expo mm-hmm. uh, from South Africa, and there were hardly any. I think because it's only the second one, there were a couple of wine farms, there was someone selling olives, um, but it didn't seem like there were a lot of participants from South Africa. 
And one of the things that I've been banging on for the longest time ever is that I don't think South Africa has very good brands. I think we, you know, there are some brands in South Africa that have done all right. But if you look at how American companies brand themselves. Okay, right. Firstly, yes. American, how American companies brand themselves. I want you to define what you're like, what you, how you describe a brand. Okay. So for me, a brand Because we have many brands. So yeah. Okay. So a brand, what is a great brand? So, okay. Lion Matches. No, it's not a good brand. <laughs> sunlight Liquid. Okay. Maybe Sunlight Liquid. Okay. But what makes Sunlight Liquid a great brand? So that people actually don't call it dishwashing liquid. They okay. call it sunlight. So they've turned it into a verb. That's, yeah, for sure. What else? Omo. No, no, no. On Sunlight. What oh. else makes it a great brand? Um, it works. Right, so it's good quality. Mm-hmm. I've bought many other types of brands and nothing works as well. Okay. So, so there's a guarantee. Okay, so they have spent a lot of time improving the quality of what Sunlight Liquid does. So you rely on it, there's a promise, there's a guarantee, it does what it says it does. And if you're not happy, there's a call center or someone that you can complain to and they will listen to you and, well, it feels like you're being listened to. Okay, and what else? Well, it's iconic. You can find it very easily. Right. It's iconic. So we grew up with the brand. There's a story around Sunlight Liquid. The big thing for me is that the Sunlight Bar, that bar of soap, is green. Mm. And everybody uses it because people believe that this is superior quality. They also believe it's a South African product, so it's homegrown. There's a narrative around it. But also, it's unique. You can't now go and start a green barred soap and call it something similar. Sunset. Yeah, and expect to compete with Sunlight. Sunlight have almost created a moat around that brand. They've created a moat around the business for on which other people would struggle to compete. Mm. And that's a great brand. You know, what's so great about Coca-Cola? Coca-Cola is, you know, it's a reasonable product. It tastes nice. It's got a... It refreshes like nothing on earth. Right. So they've spent a hell of a lot of money in selling you a story. In so many cultures, Coca-Cola is the culture of America. If you drink a Coca-Cola, you are literally putting America in your mouth. Now, let's not even go there. (laughs) As I say, let's not go there. But uh, Coca-Cola, I mean, they spend a lot of money on advertising. They're red. They're that typeface. Uh, It is America. You can't go and start another Coca-Cola. And for me, that is a great brand. Now, there are very few South African brands that you can point at and go, wow, that is a great brand. That can compete. You know, that is something where they've created a moat around the value offering that very few people would be able to take away from it. Mm. Um, I think that South Africa have some cool businesses. We've been able to sell commodities. But what we really suck at doing is being confident about creating something which is super unique putting a lot of money behind like the story and then selling that on an international stage. Mm. I think there's few and far between, unless somebody can correct me there and say, no, you're an idiot. There are loads of brands uh, out there. The other thing about a brand is that you can charge a premium for the offering. I, it's the difference between, I think, Starbucks. So when Starbucks or Krispy Kreme, when Krispy Kreme, I mean, they're selling donuts. When they come to South Africa, there are queues outside. Mm. Why? Because it's an American product. People want to say, I've eaten a Krispy Kreme and donut. And they're selling donuts in Pick and Pay and Woolworths and Spa. Exactly. And people aren't queuing for that because it's a commodity. Right. But it's Krispy Kreme is a story. And it's expensive because you are buying into the story. You're not just you know, eating another donut, you are eating a Krispy Kreme. 
And I think that's what a great brand is. It's a promise, it's a product, it's quality, but it's the narrative around that quality. And it's all of the imagery and, you know, the feel of it and all that stuff that goes with it. And the result of that is instead of the market dictating the price that you can charge for it, you can charge a premium because you are selling a brand. So if I wanted to start a dishwashing liquid. Right company yes and i came to you and i said i've got this really good product mm. it works three times better than sunlight right it is works three times faster and it's three times cheaper mm. what would you tell me to do well first of all i would say to you you're going to have to go up against sunlight liquid and it doesn't matter if your product is all of those things in the consumer's mind sunlight liquid is number one so you're going to have to do something radical to convince people who are ardent sunlight liquid buyers that your thing is different. And it's going to be more than just the utility of the product. You're going to have to do something radical. And it, what I think is that nowadays there are so many new levers that have suddenly sprung up, which I think you can use in order to convince somebody to switch. Like? So one of those levers, I think, is this massive talk around the green economy, sustainability, call it whatever you want, uh, the circular economy. If you had to come to me and say, listen, we've got, a sun, we've got a dishwashing liquid, but we've designed the value delivery model to be in a circular economy uh, mechanism. I forget the word now, I'm, trying to, I'm struggling. If you had to say that to me, I'd say brilliant, because now you've created a new category. Because you are a dishwashing liquid, but the category is that you are a circular economy uh, dishwashing liquid, which means that the plastic bottle that Sunlight Liquid comes in, or even those plastic sachets that the refill comes in, are now eliminated. You don't have to go and recycle the thing. Recycling is a manifestation of a delivery system which is broken. We shouldn't need to recycle something. Recycling is stupid. What needs to happen is that it's, you can plant it afterwards. Right. I can plant it. Or maybe what happens is that, I don't know, this is a wild idea, but maybe once a month a delivery truck drives around and dispenses sun, well, this dishwashing liquid into your container. So there is no waste. Um, that, it's that kind of thinking. It's mm -hmm. about redesigning the entire product uh, delivery from scratch to be more to work better with the environment and to work better with people. And what happens through researching this or designing your product in this is that you might even decide that what is needed is maybe not a new dishwashing liquid, mm. but actually rather a I don't know delivery system to right. remove plastic products. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just saying sometimes the solution might not be what you think it is. So be open through the design of your product and your brand and your process that the product that you actually end up selling might be something so simple. Exactly. It might be that you now sell new bottles to sunlight liquid in, yeah. and say, well, this is actually I've seen the problem in your product. So it doesn't have to be that you're going to start up a product now. Yeah, exactly. So I think what this... You know, I think the opportunity that we are speaking about is that because there are so many changes that people are so worried about, it opens up opportunity for entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs to rethink how that product 
is created mm. and how it's delivered. And I think that's the optimism that I was talking about right. when we first opened was about being able to spot, to be detached from what you want to offer enough to find optimism where it might not even exist. Right. And yeah. And, you know, on that point, Sunlight Liquid, great South African brand. Everybody loves it. But Sunlight Liquid is owned by Unilever. And Unilever is a massive conglomerate who are headquartered, I don't know, in Switzerland or somewhere in so Europe. We, do they even pay tax in South Africa? Well, they will pay tax in South Africa, but do they pay the right amount of tax yeah. in South Africa? Are, they might be headquartered in Switzerland. What does their tax regime look like in Switzerland? Who are the, who are the stakeholders in Unilever? I can tell you now that Unilever are, <laughs> well, Unilever are one of the biggest polluters in the world. That is for sure. So Unilever as a company is not necessarily the greatest mechanism to deliver economic value to a country like South Africa. Mm. So I'm not for one second talking about anti-globalization or I'm not trying to be Donald Trump. But what I am saying is that you've got to understand how these massive systems work. And I think once again, there's an opportunity for uh, an entrepreneur who comes and says, listen, here's a new dishwashing liquid to say, and also the way that we've structured the business is that the people that work in the business are also shareholders in the business. Mm. So the wealth is distributed amongst the people who create the value in the product. You know, they're not necessarily just employees. They're actually shareholders in this business. And through the structure, the, the design of the business, we are making sure that the inequality problem that we have in South Africa, which I can tell you now is going to get worse and it's going to boil over into something absolutely terrible, uh, we're doing something about that. And I think, once again, that's another design mechanism which offers an opportunity. So if you are an entrepreneur and you are optimistic and you are looking for the opportunity, I guess you would have to like live by those same rules and support the local entrepreneurs that are keeping this company uh, this country for sure alive and kicking so it's almost so what it is is it's this brand consciousness and this optimism consciousness so i think that we're really moving into a totally new realm and that wasn't on bill gates's uh, list of breakthrough technologies but rather of a breakthrough consciousness of what am I consuming and how is it kind of going back into my own country? A, into the water streams or B, into the economic models of our country. Yeah. And I think it's the younger generations that have this consciousness. It's your Gen Z, your iGen, your, your millennial. They do have this consciousness. But the Gen X baby boomers, we don't. We go, we buy sunlight mm. like our parents did and our parents' parents did probably. But it's this, these new generations that actually, I think, are teaching us some massive lessons about this consciousness. Well, I think we do that, A, because it's convenient, B, because it's what we've always done, mm. C, because we don't necessarily have an urgent desire to think differently. But I think what's happening, as you say, there's a different level of consciousness which is emerging. And, you know, we've spoken about the Me Too change. I'm fascinated with what's going on in Hong Kong. Uh, because I think that that is a massive uh, social change and social awakening as to how these power structures which exist are not necessarily serving society. Mm. And it's society that needs to have the awareness that in actual fact it affects all of us. 
it's not just the poorest of the poor. It's mm. all of us. You know, even wealthy people in South Africa live in gated communities. You're not free. You are, you're in a prison. Yeah. That's not sustainable. Well, this is now, as you were speaking, I was thinking, you know, well, I w- probably won't look at Sunlight Liquid in the same way. I'll look at it because I quite like the retro branding. But to be honest now... It is about, well, is there not a locally made product that is less right. bad for my skin, less bad for the environment, and somewhere that I can boost a local entrepreneur? Looking at companies like Wellness Warehouse, Faithful to Nature, even Diskem has got quite a good uh, local um, and, and environmentally friendly range. They do a lot to uplift local um, entrepreneurs, as well as uh, Woolworths has got their own, they don't uplift um, entrepreneurs, but they've got their own, uh, you know, earth range or mm. um but again, these come at a premium. For sure. So these are now the wealthy in a country where there is, uh, the, you know, that it's economically diverse, mm. where the mass, uh, where people are kind of in the lower earning um, kind of brackets, uh, maybe can't afford to go onto Faithful to Nature and pay 50 rand or 70 rand delivery fee, which is what probably two bottles of sunlight costs. And that is, unfortunately... Ah, it kills me. That's how the system works. You know, because of economies of scale, yeah. these massive companies can get, you know, they can get cheap prices. You know. You know how the fashion industry works. No, totally. Uh, so I guess what it is, it's about saying, you know what, I, I'm going to be the difference. And I, it's the same as becoming a vegan. I don't think it must be nice to eat vegan food. And it's I, not easy. No, you, <laughs> In you South Africa. want to eat that yeah. bacon breakfast bun you know but if you are a vegan and you're committed to being a vegan you go out of your way it's probably more expensive you've got to like go to and a i don't whole... think anyone is a vegan because they prefer the tastes i think it is always i've never met a vegan where it hasn't been an ethical dilemma uh, that has influenced their decision right otherwise it would just be vegetarian right so there is this ethical dilemma that goes with it yeah and look i I know people are going to accuse me of being a communist and like, <laughs> oh, you're anti-capitalist. That's not the, that is not true. Mm. I'm very much for a capitalist system, but I just think that the present capitalist system is not serving society. And it's great. If you've got money and you can afford to buy Unilever shares, then fabulous. You know, you're balling until such time as the planet, you know, tips them. And then we've got nothing. <laughs> so I just think that it's... A decision which everyone has to make, but also it's a challenge for entrepreneurs because I think, yes, it could be more expensive. But also, if you can see that by investing in a certain product, A, it's better for you, uh, it's better for the environment, you can see that actually this is making a difference in our country, then obviously you're going to support that. I just think that we are too short sighted and our projection into the future is too short term. Mm-hmm. We need to start realizing in actual fact that this investment will come back tenfold Mm. uh, because then I don't have to spend so much money on ADT. I don't have to spend so much money on the bloody antibiotics I have to take because the dishwashing liquid is stuffing up my hands. Um, It's that change, I guess, where you suddenly realize that, yes, it costs me a little bit more, but the benefits I get from it are you know, exponential. And if you are an entrepreneur that is looking to take a project like this on, start with your project being an equal priced competitor 
that pays tax locally, that is manufactured locally and provides jobs locally and doesn't just, you know, you know, have a harmful impact on the environment. Start there mm. and work back into a way that you can start it now. Because if you start there, it's a company that Unilever can buy. Mm. And ultimately, starting to reduce footprints or not Unilever, or you can start your own Unilever. You know what I'm saying? So mm. start with, sometimes I think even as entrepreneurs and myself being in that, you know, when I have previously become an entrepreneur, I did something because it was simple. A few people showed interest. It grew before I knew it. But I actually didn't structure any of the businesses that I had started with a bigger goal in place um, and an ex not maybe an exit strategy, but a but a um, yeah, just kind of a scale strategy in place. I started it as a oh, I'm going to make you know a T-shirt for my friend, mm. um, and it just kind of grew from there. So always try and have that. What would ten years? What would five years? What would two years? What would one year look like? Um, in order to yeah, just to start. So you can also see how much VC you need and yeah, how to crowdfund appropriately mm. because. Entrepreneurship today is different to what entrepreneurship was 20 years ago and 10 years ago. So even if you speak to entrepreneurs that started 20 years ago, they'll say, I started out of my parents' garage and I did this and I did that. Whereas crowdfunding wasn't available. Government grants weren't available. These are systems that are put in place in order to incentivize entrepreneurship in South Africa. Mm. For sure, because I think the tools that are available now, as you're saying, which didn't exist even. So we don't three need to start. Ago. Yeah, ten years ago, we can actually literally start from three years ago. Yeah. So I, you know, okay. So we haven't really got onto the specifics yeah. of the opportunities, but I've written two posts. I'm going to link them in the bio of the podcast, which you can go and have a look at. But I think that there are just so many places where South Africa naturally competes very well on the global stage. But here's my thing, is that nobody has marketed the thing properly. No one has branded the thing properly. So I know we're running over time, but here's an example. So one of the things that I'm very passionate about is cultural innovation. And cultural innovation is when a company takes cultural products and is able to package them and market them to a global audience for a premium for which they generate a return as well as the people who are involved in the design and production of the cultural innovation. So you think of things like David Kramer's um, productions that he puts on in South Africa. You think of the rich musical heritage that we got in this country. You think of the rich storytelling, the filmmaking, the animation, uh, the dance, the singing, all of those things that we have in South Africa. But I think the opportunities there are numerous. It is astronomical. Mm. But, you know, we can go into book publishers or textbook publishers, but these companies are run the same way they've been run since the 1980s by the same people. So there is a massive opportunity <laughs> to rethink and innovate. I that. think we just lost like four of our 10 followers. <laughs> No, but we picked no, up no. another 50 because this is the truth. You know, sure. I, I just think that, you know, companies are just run by people that lack imagination. And I think with a bit of imagination and a bit of fire and a bit of creativity. And youth. Yeah. Or youthful thinking. So you don't have to be young. You just got to think yeah. appropriately. Fair enough. And I think, um, yeah, I just think that there's massive opportunity. That's just one space. 
Uh, also in the design community. I mean, there's a bloody design in Darbo every year. The only thing that happens after design in Darbo is international designers come here and build things here. Thanks, Ez Devlin. Thanks, mm-hmm. British guy that built the Zeitzmacher. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's the truth. You know, you can't just, you can't look at South African design on the same platform that you do British design. British design has support by government, has support by big companies. South African designers are hugely talented, but as you say, they don't necessarily know how to scale. They They don't have the support. (laughs) They're working two jobs. Just give people a break. But once again, in the design economy... Or give people an opportunity. Right. In the design economy, there is an opportunity for an entrepreneur to see a gap, to gather a network of great designers, to get them to a point where you can export South African design and to market and brand the hell out of that thing. And I think that it's an opportunity. Hmm. Uh, I just think that we are looking at our own stuff in a super simple commodity type way. We're not looking at how to add value in that space and to brand it and market it properly. Okay, I've ranted now. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the podcast. That's the end of our 13 slash 14th one. Yeah, but we're going to make some more. Thank you for listening. Please follow us. Okay. Till next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heroes of Futurism. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing and we'll see you next time. Cheers.